Welcome to That's What He Said, a respectfully irreverent podcast from the anxious, enthusiastic mind of full-time writer and part-time influencer, me, Emma Golden Miller. As a self-proclaimed open book, I started my blog, emmasthing.com, in 2010 so I could share my every random thought, story, and opinion about life with total strangers. But the blogosphere has changed over the years, so now I share all those thoughts, stories, and opinions on this podcast. Every week, you'll hear about what the hell I've been doing, stuff I'm enjoying, and deep thoughts on every topic under the sun, from relationships and career to health, fitness, fashion, and beyond. So let's fucking go. Hello, and welcome to a new episode. It's a new week. It's a better week than last week, I can tell you that much right now, at least from where I'm standing, and I'm so glad to be sitting here talking at you guys. Welcome back to the show. So last week was not awesome in terms of both my mental health and everything going on at the house, and it just made me realize, like, this is something that I guess I realized last month as well, but it's just becoming more and more obvious is just how much being on the birth control pill masked for me, especially when it comes to my PMDD and all of the symptoms that come with it. And I kind of spoke to this a little bit on Instagram stories a couple of weeks ago and was just talking about how now when I'm ovulating, I can literally feel my body ovulating. Like, my right ovary, this is TMI, but whatever, my right ovary, I can actually feel it pinching and like releasing a fucking egg on the day that it does it. And I didn't feel any of that stuff when I was on birth control. So it's just like a lot of extra feelings are going on. And I just forgot how severe my PMDD is when I don't have birth control kind of regulating it and helping out my hormones. So I'm kind of thinking about upping my Prozac a little bit for those that are into SSRIs and the whole antidepressant thing. I've been on Prozac for a long time now, like at least seven or eight years. And I've been on 40 milligrams, but I am thinking that I'm going to take 60 milligrams the two weeks leading up to my period. So two weeks out of the month, I will up my dosage to help myself along with PMDD because it is just really, really hard without the birth control pill for me. Last week, you know, I mean, my limits were being tested anyway because of everything that was going on at the house and feeling like a prisoner in my own house and I couldn't get anything done and I wasn't on my typical schedule. I I know I don't really have a schedule, but like I have enough of one that when it gets completely knocked off course, I feel it in every bone in my body. So last week was just rough. And on top of that, my PMDD was so fucking intense, like crying every day, just feeling in a horrible pit of despair. That's, that's kind of where I was for most of the week and the good news is is that I started my period today on Monday. I'm recording a day early because it's a very short week ahead. Zach and I are heading out on our unofficial last 
trip before we maybe have a kid this year or conceive a child. We're calling it like the pre-baby moon, if you will, um, before we pull the goalie for good. And uh, so that's a whole other thing. I'm I'm totally chill. I'm fine. I'm not freaking the fuck out. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's great, guys. <laughs> um, anywho, so yeah, I'm recording a day early because it's such a short week and just trying to get things done up front and kind of front load. But anyway, I just wanted to, before we get into like the actual segments that I usually do on uh, the podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about some revelations that I had last week while I was in this horrible bout of PMDD. And the biggest one is probably that I'm just really reevaluating my relationship with Instagram. And if you follow me on Instagram and you have for a long time, then you probably know my patterns very well. And, you know, maybe I'm flattering myself and saying, well, some of you might have noticed that I wasn't around over the weekend. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. But either way, I deleted it off my phone for the majority of the weekend. I just needed a break. I just like regardless of whether that means I was actually off of Instagram, I just needed a fucking break from it being on the front screen of my phone every time I unlock my phone because the obsession is real and the addiction is real and it's just real bad and I'm trying to break myself of it and stepping back and asking myself, how this addiction with this fucking app serves me. I know at its best, it connects me to my incredible audience that I've worked so hard over the years to build and gain y'all's trust and have these conversations with you. But at its worst, it's just me mindlessly scrolling and not getting much out of any of the content that I see and also comparing myself to my peers in a very negative, detrimental way. And probably the worst, at its worst, 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 is the instant gratification of it all and leaning so heavily on that and the immediate validation that I am liked, I'm getting likes, people like me, they like what I'm putting out there. And it's like a fucking drug and I've been on this drug for so many years now and it's only intensified with time and there are things on the horizon for me in my life that I just feel are going to really shift my priorities and I've spoken to a little bit of this or alluded to it in my weekly newsletter and this is like kind of what I'm talking about so I just I have felt really mentally unhealthy with the Instagram app lately and I have kind of been grappling with that and deciding how to tone it down and take the necessary steps away from it without completely leaving it and also not leaving those of you who love being on Instagram with me in the dark. I don't want to do that. I don't want to peace out. That's not the intention at all. It's just, again, like shifting my focus, shifting my priorities, and probably more than anything, trying to trying to understand how I feel the most fulfilled. 
instead of, you know, I don't know, just like putting up content to put up content or putting up stories to put up stories. And, you know, I've always, I've always prided myself on being the small time, super authentic, give it to you straight influencer. And I still am that, but I'm just tired. I'm just tired right now. And I'm celebrating my 13 year blogging (laughs) anniversary this week on March 1st. Um, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking about a lot of stuff there. I'm just, you know, like every now and again, you kind of have to reevaluate. Um, and I don't think that people probably do it enough and I'm not trying to get all like woo woo or really flowery or deep or introspective about it. It's just like, I'm calling it what it is, which is a weird, sick obsession with this fucking app. And I don't know if it's doing more good than bad for me personally and my mental health. So I'm figuring that out and I appreciate you guys, you know, bearing with me while I figure it out. So that was on my mind, obviously, a lot last week and kind of making peace with what could be this new transition for me to reset my focus from that to this podcast and to my newsletter and figuring those two things out because both of them bring me so much joy and I feel total creative freedom and I also more importantly than anything I feel the most connected to my audience via this podcast and the newsletter because I don't have nearly as big of an audience for this podcast and the newsletter as I do on Instagram so to me it's like if you take the time out of your day every or sorry if you take the time out of your week every week to listen to this podcast you are a true fan. If you sign up for my newsletter and you get it in your inbox every Friday, you are a true fan. If you have upgraded to the paid version of my newsletter, you're an insanely true fan. And for whatever reason, you really like me and can't get enough of me. And holy fuck, I am so grateful. And that is (laughs) such an amazing, such an amazing thing. And I can't thank you enough. So... Anyway, I guess I'm just sharing my thoughts on all of that with you guys, but something really, really amazing happened on Saturday while I was like kind of going through this over the weekend and talking it out with Zach and my family, my friends. I was approached for the first time out in public by a podcast listener. And, you know, like I said, I've been doing... Emma's thing for 13 years so you know Dallas to me Dallas is pretty small in terms of like the social media world and I've gotten I I can't count how many times I've had people come up to me in public and say I'm so sorry to interrupt but I follow you on on Instagram and I just wanted to say hi I've, I've gotten that a lot and it's always amazing and it's always so flattering but Saturday was the first time since I started this podcast last January that I've had a listener come up to me in public and say, hey, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but I listen to your podcast and I love it. And that happened on Saturday. And that happened in a moment that I I literally had just finished telling a friend about these new revelations I'm having and how I'm going to lean into the podcast newsletter more. And I'm really nervous because you know, it's a weird transition and I'm just so used to the instant, instantaneous gratification of Instagram and that's where people know me the most and 
all of that. And right when I was done explaining it to her, this listener came up and introduced herself. And I just, if that's not validation for the decisions that I'm making right now and where I'm deciding to put my effort and my time, I don't know what the fuck is. So I just wanted to publicly say on here to the girl who came up to me, you're the best. Thank you so much for that. You truly have no idea how much I needed that and how much I needed that right in that moment. I love you. And yeah, so with all of that, let's go ahead and talk about what the hell I've been doing. Okay, so this weekend, Friday, I am so happy to report to you guys that the work finished on our house. We are done. We have no mold. We have new foundation. We have uh, new paint on the guest bedroom walls. We have our floor. It's put back together. There's no more exposed earth and dirt. We are finally done. And wow, just I'm just so happy that we got through that. February was not a super fun month in terms of everything going on over here, but totally necessary. And we are obviously going to, you know, reap the rewards from uh, putting in all that fucking money to get our house in in fighting fighting shape, fighting order, whatever they say. So that was obviously a really wonderful way to start the weekend with um, saying goodbye to the last contractors and slamming the door shut behind them. And then Friday night, I went to dinner with Merritt of the Beck and Call podcast. We hadn't seen each other in a while, so we had a lot to catch up on. And um, we went to Park House, which is a very exclusive social club here in Dallas. I do not belong to it. Merritt does. And it's very similar to like Soho House that you've probably heard of. They exist in New York and uh, Chicago and LA and, you know, fancier places like that. So this is only my second time at Park House. And my first time at Park House was uh, like a year and a half ago on my first date with Merritt. (laughs) So we were back at Park House and it was so lovely. We had a great time, talked a lot as we always do. And Merritt is still not drinking. She is on a non-drinking binge. And, you know, I just, I went ahead and didn't drink with her, which was very out of body for me. But it was lovely because while I was gone at dinner with her, Unbeknownst to me, Zach had started working on putting the guest bedroom back together and making our house a home again. And so when I got home, I was totally sober and he was putting the guest bedroom back together. So I was able to change out of my outfit into sweats and like continue the work with him. But like he literally had already done so much. Like he'd gotten the bed frame set back up, the box springs, the dresser, the like everything. Um, And I have to say, it was actually such a happy accident, y'all. So they made, they kind of like got some sort of chemical or something on the walls while they were working in there. So that's why we had to have it repainted. And Zach got out all of the paint colors that are in this house. And, you know, basically our house is... It's like different shades of blue. And the blue that was originally in the guest room was like really, really light. And Zach didn't like triple check. 
And so the guy just used whatever paint Zach had left in the room for him to use. And it turns out that it was actually this deeper, more like, I don't even know how to describe this blue. I mean, anytime that I post a picture from our quote unquote blue room in our house, which serves as my office in our den, people ask what the paint color is. So I've posted about it a couple of times, but it's by Bear and it's called Garden Vista. And it's like a God, I wish they had it explained on here. It's, I don't know, like a teal, uh, but like not a bright teal, like a muted teal. I'm not good at this. Anyway, that's the color he painted the room. And that was not originally the guest bedroom color, but it looks fucking amazing. And so we are actually so happy that that happened. It just looks so much better. And like, I don't know, like, I just feel like people harp on dark paint colors or give them a hard time, but... They are where it's at, like with all the fucking white and neutrals that every fucking influencer's house has. It is such a breath of fresh air and it just adds so much character to a room and makes it so cozy. So we were really, really happy with how that accident turned out. And we spent the rest of Friday night once I got home putting the room back together and putting the mattress back on and I got all new bedding from Target and like we did all of that and it looks fucking awesome. It is just such a calm, awesome vibe in there and I don't even have to explain how happy I am to have our guest room back but also like all the guest bedroom stuff out of the main house and back to where it belongs. So yay. So Saturday, I went and got a manicure and pedicure with one of my best friends, Whitney, who is honestly, by the time you guys listen to this on Thursday, she's probably going to have given birth. Oh my God, that's so crazy to think. But as of right now on Monday, the 27th, she is a week overdue. And I think that she is getting induced tomorrow or Wednesday. I don't know. We don't have an update from her yet. But it's very weird to think that right now I'm recording this and I don't have a new nephew, but I will. So anyway, I got a Manny and Petty with her because she had fucking time, you know, like the baby's not here. And then after our manicure and pedicure, I met Zach at the gym. And while I was at the gym, one of my dear friends who I used to work with at Reward Style, who um, has since moved to New York, she called me because she happened to be in town visiting I, her sister. I don't know. Anyway, she happened to be in town and she asked if I wanted to grab a drink or, a, you know, coffee, whatever. And so we ended up meeting at my favorite bar in Dallas, the Old Monk. It's kind of like her and I spot the last few times that I've seen her in town. We've gone to the Old Monk and we sat and caught up for like an hour and a half. It was amazing. She's doing amazing. Just like, you know, you just have to appreciate the fuck out of those friends who you don't live nearby and you don't talk to every day, but it's as soon as you talk to them, it's like absolutely no time has passed. And it was such a joy to see her. She's just like such a beam of sunlight all the time. And that is also where the podcast listener came up and said what she did to me. So it was a great Saturday afternoon. And then I got home on Saturday and Zach and I kind of continued to like organize the house and we decided that it was definitely a pizza and movie night. So we opened a really amazing bottle of wine. We ordered Papa John's. I know I shouldn't even be fucking promoting them because 
they screwed me over and dropped me as a partner because I'm pretty sure they dropped like most people as a partner. At least that's what like I tell myself so I can sleep at night. And get this, I thought that at least my promo code Emma25 was still working even though they like aren't working with me in a bigger way anymore, but they fucking deactivated it. So honestly, they can fuck themselves, but also their thin crust pizza square cut is so fucking good so um Zach and I ordered that we ate that we watched a movie I'll talk about what movie we watched in the next part and then Sunday I woke up and I filmed a try on video of the things that I've gotten from Target recently and then a bathing suit and a pair of pants from Abercrombie and I had mentioned all of these items in Friday's newsletter And my plan, my original plan, was to record this try-on video and post it to my Instagram over the weekend. And then I had my whole like Instagram revelation thing. And so I decided, you know what? I, I have these paid subscribers now and I'm trying to figure out what kind of content is worthy of putting behind a paywall. And I'm going to go out of my way to spend my time on Sunday morning to film this try on video and I'm not going to make it super fancy it's just going to be kind of like real time here's what the pieces look look like on here's what I like here's what I don't like talk about the sizing so that's what I did on Sunday morning and I put it together as like a five minute video and I sent out my first paid only subscriber newsletter and it was exhilarating. It was also very nerve wracking. You know, I think that's just kind of, it's just, you know, as someone who has anxiety, obviously it's going to flare up when I am taking risks like that, even though I'm not, not necessarily taking risks, but it's like, I don't know. You know, it's like I dropped some free subscribers who saw that now I'm you know, putting stuff behind a paywall and they are like, fuck you. I don't even want your free stuff anymore. But then I also had a handful of people upgrade to paid. So, you know, it it it's a roller coaster and that's how it's going to be. But um, if you are a paid newsletter member and you got that, I really hope that you enjoyed it. It was super fun to film. And um, I really honestly can't get more authentic and caught off guard than in a video like that like no bells and whistles there's no like pretty backdrop it's just me trying trying this shit on so um anyway once I had done all of that Zach and I grabbed brunch at one of our favorite um casual brunch brunch spots can't talk called Alamo Club and that was lovely and then we spent the rest of Sunday afternoon getting this godforsaken house back in order and I mean we were on our feet I think I logged like 15 hours standing on Sunday and Zach just like did so much to his office space which is also our workout space and it looks fucking incredible I'll pick I'll post pictures of this stuff so you guys can see but we just got a lot done and it was super productive so we rewarded ourselves with having a uh, dinner at Hillstone for our monthly Hillstone Sunday and it was absolutely lovely and now it's Monday and um, as I said I got my period which you know is great (laughs) Um, I'm and like it kind of sucks that we're like leaving for Cabo in a couple of days but also like I should be fine by the weekend so I'm not too concerned and yeah I'm just preparing 
to go on that vacation. I'm so fucking excited. I literally, words can't even express. I just can't wait. And I'm also preparing to do a massive closet clean out. It is that time. It's it's time to purge for the new season. I have a feeling I'm going to be getting rid of a lot. So I'm going to kind of see how much I get rid of and what I get rid of. And I may be alerting you guys to shop it on my Poshmark sooner than later. So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. And now let's talk about what I've been reading, watching, and listening to. So I... As of right now, while I'm talking, I have less than 100 pages left of my book, The Perfect Couple by Elin Hildebrand. And so I imagine that I'll finish it um, tonight or tomorrow. And what I'm planning on reading next is a book that I mentioned a few podcast episodes ago. It's an Ellen recommendation, and it's called The Very Irregular Society of, wait, is it The Very Irregular Society of Witches? I don't know. I can't, the, oh no, no, the very secret society, society of irregular witches. My mom has said that I can borrow that and bring it to Cabo with me. So that will probably be my vacation book. And I'm very, very excited. The perfect couple, I guess I'll save my thoughts for next episode to talk about how I felt. But, you know, I've really enjoyed it because it's different for me. I don't usually read mysteries. So I've enjoyed that element. And I, I have realized too I really love in a book when it's not just from like the POV isn't the same character the entire time. I love when the author writes from all the different characters perspectives and in their voices. I think it is fabulous and it keeps me very entertained and I love that like you automatically have favorites that you get excited when it's like their chapter and then you have ones you're like oh fuck I don't want to hear from this person again so yeah as for what we are watching we finished Bad Sisters last week and it was fucking incredible I was literally cheering clapping my hands just Wow, it was so good. It's I didn't want that series to end because it was so well done, but I'm glad that there was finally a resolution and I couldn't be happier with the resolution and what actually happened. And I wrote about this in my newsletter on Friday, but fun fact, Becca Garvey, the actress who plays her, I think her name is Eve Newsome. It's definitely Eve, but I don't remember her last name. She's Bono's daughter, y'all. Like Bono of you two. That is his fucking daughter how cool is that some Irish nepotism fuck yeah baby um but anyway loved bad sisters and we are all caught up on the last of us we watched the new one on Sunday night and you know I mean always love a backstory really good to know more about Ellie's situation before it turned into what it has and I read somewhere last week how like a good way to kind of mentally mentally strengthen yourself with The Last of Us is to remember that it's based off a video game. So it's like any character that they, any other characters they come across are like not going to be around, you know? Like in a video game, you don't suddenly like start gaining three, four, five friends to come along the journey with you. Like usually they're just there for a second and they die. So. I thought that was a really interesting, smart way to look at it and kind of like just prepare yourself for the worst. And then the movie that we watched on Saturday night is, it's from, 
I'm just laughing because, like, I don't know what it is about Zach and I, but we fucking love 90s movies. We love 90s um, drama and action movies so much. Oh, God, I just feel like we're just so fucking old. But we watched this movie from 1996, neither of us had seen, called Executive Decision. (laughs) Oh, shit. I'm just laughing because it's like, what are the odds that any of you listening are actually going to fucking watch this movie? But... It's called Executive Decision. It has Kurt Russell, Halle Berry, um, Steven Seagal is like in it for two seconds. John Leguizamo's in it. Um, and it's essentially about a, a terrorist hijacking a plane. And this was in 96 before 9-11 happened. So interesting perspective with that. But it was a great movie. Like, yes, is it 90s and kind of corny? Of course. But it was, I don't know. I mean, I just I just really fucking appreciate the salt and earth quality of 90s movies like they're not trying to do the most they're still figuring their shit out with technology and you know it just brings me back to a simpler time of Halle Berry being a flight attendant on uh, an overseas trip it was it was really really entertaining and then as for what I'm listening to, honestly, not much. I did not really get to catch up on any of my podcasts last week because of everything going on at the fucking house and the fact that like even when I had my noise canceling headphones on, I could still hear everything. I mean, I'm always up to date on Merit's podcast, Beck and Call. It's like what I listen to every Wednesday morning as soon as it comes out. I still haven't caught up on Office Ladies, which is another like I'm religious about their podcast, but also the they're done with Michael Scott's run on the show. Like they have reached the end of season seven um, and now they're going into seasons eight and nine. And I'm a little worried because eight season eight was real bad. If you're an office fan, um, yeah, it was bad. And, and I haven't listened to the latest, honestly, with Barry Weiss. I haven't listened to the latest, Fly on the Wall with Dana Carvey and David Spade. I will say really quickly, and like we don't have to spend a lot of time on this at all, but Barry Weiss of Honestly, her company is called The Free Press, and they have a new podcast out, and it is called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling. And if you are clued in to anything at all, you know that, first of all, J.K. Rowling um, wrote Harry Potter, and You'll also know that a couple of years ago, she started getting loud on Twitter about um, transgender and her thoughts on all of that. And she said some things that really upset a lot of people. And this podcast is a reporter kind of breaking all of that down. But what they don't tell you in the preview for this podcast is that not only is the reporter like breaking down J.K. Rowling's fall from grace, basically, with the things that she had to say, she's talking to J.K. Rowling like and I I did not know that. And I I clicked on it because I was like, I'm curious. I'm just going to like I'll listen to the first episode and see kind of like where this is going. And literally, this reporter wrote a letter to J.K. Rowling basically saying, listen, like, I just want to talk to you about, like, 
why you said the things you did? Like, what made you, like, decide to just, you know, state your opinions on that? Like, what did you have to gain from that? I just, I'm really interested in sitting down and talking with you, like, not attacking you. And J.K. Rowling fucking wrote her back. And this girl flew to Scotland to J.K. Rowling's mansion. And this is a series of interviews with her. So... If that piques your interest at all, it certainly did mine. I I mean, I would recommend it. I still haven't even gotten through the first episode because I started to listen once again while there was like construction happening at the house and I couldn't focus, so I turned it off. So I'll probably be listening to that on the plane to Cabo. But yeah, just I had no idea that the spin was that she's talking to JK Rowling herself. So anywho, do with that what you will. And now let's go into the last segment of today's episode where I'm sitting down with my friend who has literally known me for 26 years, Kelly, to talk about motherhood, marketing, and balancing it all. I hope you guys enjoy. The Human Torch was denied a bank loan. Hi, Kelly. Hi. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, my gosh. Hi. We are going. Oh, my God. Okay. Hi. Um, okay, you guys. So we are here with one of my best friends, my longest standing best friend. Mm. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. So Kelly and I have known each other since we were 10. Like nine, but yeah. Okay. Who's wow. Counting? clearly you are (laughs) so I moved to Dallas in 1997 yeah because I was 10 sure oh yeah but you turned 10 later in the year yeah yeah okay that's okay okay um and we literally were in fifth grade together fifth grade was my first year of living in Dallas and um I it took a while for Kelly and I to actually become friends, friends. Like, we were always friend adjacent. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> um, and went to school with each other, like middle school, high school, all of it. But it wasn't until our junior year of high school where we really, like, we realized we had wasted so much time. We just were in very different things we had different interests like you were very into the theater scene (laughs) and being with those kids which was great the drama nerds yes and I was in soccer and I don't know what the hell else I was doing you were in yearbook I remember that being like a big thing that you were into was it yeah (sighs) I don't know I was yeah I guess yeah stupid but but junior year Kelly and I were dating guys. We were dating we were boys. Dating <laughs> boys, yes. Yes, boys, not men. No. Um, who were in the same friend group. And what happened? Like, did we – like, I got broke, <laughs> broken up with. <laughs> and then you broke up with your boyfriend kind of shortly after I did. Yeah, we were – it was, you know, typical high school on and off stupidness. But you broke up with, or your bro- boyfriend broke up with you, and you were just very upset. No, I was totally chill. <laughs> you were devastated. It was, it was my first breakup. Yeah. My and first heartbreak. Like, we had grown closer because we also had a class together, and... We had AP English. Yes, we did. And it was just, 
like I really started to love you and like value our friendship and then your heart was broken and I was like man that sucks but also <laughs> you were so much better <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah we just bonded through that and then I don't know we just started hanging out more yeah and then I broke up with my boyfriend and then got back together and broke up and got back together and yeah. you were like you're an idiot and I was like I know <laughs> And yeah, the rest is just history. It is. So um, Kelly, like when college time came around, Kelly was debating pretty much between UT and KU. Yeah. And I also looked at Mizzou, but oh, okay. I was a moron and went and visited them on like a rainy day. And I was like, KU is so much better. Um, why are you a moron? KU is so much better. It is. But like Mizzou is a great school. But also I'm an idiot because I got into UT. I know. Can we talk about that? I think about that sometimes. You got into UT when they were still doing the like summer program. Yes. I was just a fucking, I'm just bad choices when you're young. Yeah. Like, Not that I regret my time at KU because it was magical and I loved it. But also I got into UT and I got in through their summer program and I was like, you don't want me for the fall. <laughs> Go yeah, in. you were like, oh, you want me to do like a test run? Fuck you. But you also were like head over heels for like your summer fling. And you were like, I refuse to leave him. I don't know if it was. Okay, you were. Well, also, yes, I was. But that wasn't the reason I didn't go to UT. I also really loved KU. Okay. Like, I'd been to UT for soccer camps in the summer. Yeah. And had been on the campus. And your dad went there. My whole family, like, we have a lot of Longhorns. Okay. And I just wanted to do something different. And KU just had a very different vibe. And it felt, I don't know. My other best friend, your your other spectrum, like of the spectrum Aries twin. Right. <clears throat> was going to UT. Both of Kelly's best friends, both of us were born on April 4th, 1987. Very strange. It's fucking weird. You're the same person, just Like not, not at all. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I chose KU and I'm glad I did, but I was an idiot and said no to UT, but I, it all worked out for a reason. So That's probably wouldn't have met Jim. I'm picking up on some regret in your voice. No. Okay. No, not okay. at all. I just, I wouldn't have met gym I wouldn't have my husband I wouldn't have probably been where I am in life and who knows yeah but UT's great love it (laughs) just KU I think overall was a better choice for me so because Kelly decided to go to KU we ended up being roommates our freshman year and our love story just continued from there (laughs) and we have been I mean, I joke that Kelly is my therapist, um, my doctor, my um, personal trainer. (laughs) (laughs) Tell and tell Megmo that. She'd be like, fuck no. (laughs) Um, And we've been through a lot together. So that's kind of like a quick introduction to Kelly and I's friendship. Now, Kelly. Yes. You... (laughs) You are a marketing big wig i don't know about that well you are well well um, i listen okay <laughs> i i'm in marketing i have been for my whole career essentially i do the best i can i really like it it's fun i want to talk basically about how you climbed the ranks in the corporate marketing world and sort of your journey and i know that like Let me just bring up my LinkedIn (laughs) resume. Okay. Like, you know, speaking speaking to this from where we're coming from is 
a little different because we graduated in 2009. It was a very hard time to graduate. It was, yeah, like we were in the middle of a recession. You basically took any job that you could get, whether or not it had anything to do with your major. It was a hard time to graduate and be a journalism major. Yes. Because I feel like we're on the brink of journalism changing Mm -hmm. and we're coming out in a recession there was a lot going on there was there was a lot going on and you know it's like we we also it's just I'm realizing this right now but we were like we graduated right before Instagram and all of that sucks (laughs) (laughs) before all of that was introduced and so we like just missed basically learning that side of things and being kind of a part of the first class of people to really understand social media and how to use it to our advantage like in the corporate world so that's kind of it's like weird that like our careers kind of predate that yeah and like at the time journalism was still it still so meant traditional journalism like broadcast journalism or PR or it just was so rooted in kind of what it's always been and now it's so different it's changed so much so much I mean like when we were going when we were at KU I remember when you first entered the the journalism school you have two choices you can either go to the side of the school that's like newspaper and Mm -hmm. traditional journalism or you can go to the advertising marketing public relations side of the school and I just like I'd be so interested to know kind of how it's how it's set up now because I can't imagine that they're calling it like just like oh the newspaper side like they're not probably sending out journalism students to go conduct interviews on the campus probably not because journalism is not like it's just so different it's so different but I remember my parents were like you have four years to graduate I was very fortunate that they paid for my school and they were like you have four years to graduate anything over four years, you pay for. Yeah. And then also when you graduate, you come the fuck home and you get a job. So I was like, fantastic. That was the exact same with me. <clears throat> so yeah, I created this spreadsheet with basically every single job that I was interested in, had applied for. Jim was graduating soon, so I knew we wanted to start our lives in Dallas. And from there, who knew? Yeah. And I think I applied to literally 150 different jobs. Oh my God. Uh Uh-huh. So what did you, so Kelly is like a naturally gifted, she's a naturally gifted artist. I think that she like really thrives in graphic art. Yeah. I was going to be a graphic design major and then I got scared and was like. Really? Yeah. I was like, God, everybody's so good. I'm going to switch gears and do like strategic communications because I love the concepting of a campaign and I love kind of the strategy behind it. Right. Um, But yeah, like I applied to so many places and it was really hard and everybody wanted five to seven years, which I'm sure is the same. Oh God. Everybody wanted five to seven years of experience. That is so fucked up. I remember that. I remember being like, wait, I don't understand like how how is anyone supposed to get a job right out of college when they're like, oh, minimum five years of experience. Like It was really hard. And finally, um, I got a job with this teeny tiny agency called Mettler and Company. And I think there were seven or eight of us total. Mm -hmm. And everyone had been there for a really long time. I was the youngest by far. 
and it was great in that I learned a lot really quickly mm-hmm. and I don't what was your role there I was like an account manager okay um and it was so even oh my god even our clients at the time and like how they worked were so different our, my first client was uh Frito-Lay PepsiCo that's and a pretty big first client. It was, but we had like a very small part of their business, which was we were creating communications for their sales force so they knew like what displays were going to be out in store and like what the Halloween program was going to be. It was really cool though because a lot of those corrugated displays that you'd see in store, the designers on our team would be working on and it was a great place to start I made zero (laughs) dollars like it was yeah I was just talking to Zach the other night about like I think my first job I think I made like just under 30,000 same yeah like not even actually 30,000 some people listen we're still very fortunate I know I know some people like have families on that and I know I know it's I mean we struggled we Jim and I ate a lot of peanut butter sandwiches yeah but also but also at the same time it's like we didn't need a lot when you're first coming out of college after making like pennies working Mm. whatever odd jobs throughout college when you're like dubs baby (laughs) when you're like getting thirty thousand dollars a year and you have like a paycheck that's like almost a thousand dollars you're like whoa and like we lived in a teeny tiny apartment in addison circle and loved it because it was ours and yeah didn't need a whole lot but it was great. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. It was a great first job. They really gave me the space to kind of do my own thing. Um, and so learn. why did you leave? So what was your next move? Um, so I stayed there for almost two years. And then I made a big mistake and left and went to, I guess I can uh, Romano's Macaroni Girl. I was their marketing coordinator. Okay. It was not an awesome time. <laughs> It just wasn't the right fit for me. But what made you leave in the first place? Because, like, Um, I want this conversation, like, you know, just for anyone listening who's, like, in advertising and marketing and wherever you are in your career, whether you, like, relate to this or, like, you want some advice, I just – I think it's so interesting to hear Kelly's journey because um, she did move around a lot and, like, where she is now is so vastly different than where she started. And I just think it's – I just think that she's a badass. So – I want to know, like, your strategy behind why you even left the first place. So I left because, truthfully, I was chasing the money a little bit. Yeah. Even though, you know, in hindsight, it was like, okay, Kelly, it wasn't that much more money. But I, I wanted a different opportunity. I think I was going to be limited when it came to just, like, pay and my opportunities at the agency just by nature of it being small. Um, I, in hindsight, I wish I'd stayed maybe another year or two, but it doesn't yeah. matter. Um, so I left and went to this marketing coordinator position and was wildly unhappy. Like it just, there was a lot of things going on there and like a lot more politics. Cause it's like a way bigger company, a way bigger company, but also like something in my gut, like just didn't my boss and I didn't vibe Mm. and just the culture didn't vibe and I was there only 10 months wow but something in my gut 
was like, you gotta go. Yeah. Like, you have to. I was so anxiety ridden all the time. Like, it just. Oh, and I should say, Kelly literally doesn't. I mean, you experience anxiety, but like. But not. You don't have like generalized anxiety disorder like some of us. Correct. I don't. I'm not a, me. I am not a naturally anxious person, but like, oh, it just. It was not the right space for me. So I knew I needed to leave. And I really had enjoyed my time at agency. And so I started interviewing at my next agency location. And it was up in the Plano area. And they had, um, at the time, Dr. Pepper Snapple Group, before Keurig did the merger with them, as a client. And they were on retainer, only could work on this client. And so I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. So I, I left. Yeah. I'm so glad I did because then – um, everything happens for a reason and listen to your gut is the biggest takeaway I can give because I think it was six months after I left Romano's Macaroni Grill Ignite I think was the name of the company bought them and they basically gave everybody in the office like an ultimatum you move to Houston or like you're fired what and they laid off a ton of people oh my god I didn't know that yeah wow so it worked out yeah yeah <laughs> um, but then I went to this agency that had Dr. Pepper as a a client and I loved the people so much yeah like some of them are still my really 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 close friends been to their baby showers so let me interrupt sorry what for those listening that don't know what is like the typical like trajectory for someone in your field like you start as what and like you're building up to what like what's like the lowest on the totem pole yeah, I would say an account exec is probably lowest on the totem pole, which is where I was. Yeah. <laughs> I moved back <laughs> to agency. And then you can build all the way up to VP. Um, it just, on the agency side, it takes a really long time to build that way. Like promotions are, it takes longer. Salary adjustments are smaller. Um, but you get, I always say when I, I talk to a lot of people, People reach out to me, um, I guess, because there's visibility with the company I'm with now, and they're about to graduate college, and I've talked to a lot of college kids about, like, where should I start? I'm lost. And I always recommend that agency is a really great place to start. It has its challenges. (laughs) But if you're a young person, it's the best way to get your feet wet Mm -hmm. and learn so much so quickly because they kind of dump a lot on you so quickly mm-hmm. and they're more apt to hire young people who don't have that five to seven years of experience right um but there were pros and cons there I loved love loved loved the people that work there and some that still work there and it was great because I got to work on all different parts of the Dr. Pepper Snapple business like mm-hmm. I got to work on their brand campaigns like Dr. Pepper does the football toss every year for all the championships. Did you work on the Fansville thing? No. No, I didn't work on that. I actually really like that campaign. Yeah, they're funny. Um, no, that was a different agency. Ours was more so like a production house in a lot of ways. Okay. Um, but I got to work on like all of their brand portfolio, which was really fun. I got to work on I got to do photo shoots, mm-hmm. which was really fun with Rascal Flats in Nashville. I remember that. So fun. They're so nice. <laughs> Like, truly the nicest, and it was so cool because we'd be mid-photo shoot, and they would... It's like what you think musicians are, actually. Like, yeah. they like, break out into song and start harmonizing. <laughs> They're like, this is so cool. They're so cool. So um, but, like, making sure we got the can art right. Yeah. 
all that stuff um because I think we were at the time we were doing the country music awards sweeps and helping with that and I loved that aspect and so I also, so sorry so no. when you were at like Dr. Pepper doing all that that's like kind of the it's like you kind of got to see the quote-unquote sexy side sure. of what you do yeah and then I also worked on the shopper marketing piece which is eventually where I took my career and yes photo shoots are really fun and I love all that, but also the shopper side of it is so cool because you are actually interacting with who's going to buy your product on shelf as opposed to this kind of broader brand awareness campaign. Mm-hmm. So I really enjoyed that, being able to see the results of what you're doing as opposed to just some higher level. Can you explain in layman's terms to people listening what shopper marketing is? So you'll probably like open their eyes. Like they'll like see things differently when they're out and about now. Yeah. So shopper marketing is basically driving engagement and awareness with the actual consumer to get them to store and shop your product. And there's all different, there's a, path to purchase is how it's commonly called in shopper and um, all different points of interruption and how we are engaging with the shopper so like you'll have this is probably even a little bit old school we have pre-shop shop and post-shop and pre-shop is like um, maybe you are using your retailer's loyalty email and blasting them with an email like hey come on into so-and-so we got x dollars off of whatever product you're selling it could also be like on social media you're hitting them with like a geo-targeted ad something that's relevant to them to drive them to store and then once they're at the store it depends what format the store is it large format like a target a walmart Mm -hmm. or is it small format like a circle k or anything like that and maybe they have some gas station tv or at the pump communication Mm. and then can i get them in store can i serve them another ad to drive them in store i know they're there Can I be like, hey, this product is $2 off. Come on in and grab it. And then once they're in the store, which is the shop, all of the stuff in store communicating. So it's like a cooler cling if we have a, if it's like a canned ready to drink product. Or is it like a shelf talker? So at the point of purchase, are we having something there? And then they leave. I mean, like, could it be something like a cardboard cutout? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And then, or like a a display. And then... <clears throat> you they leave the store and then it's post-shop retargeting how can I get them to come back in mm. so you're really trying to grab that share of mind from the shopper but I love shopper marketing it's where I've pretty much made my career and I just I love it yeah um so you started doing that when you were at Dr. Pepper yeah I started I worked on the shopper marketing part of the business at the agency side when I was with Dr. Pepper or with uh when that was my client And I just, in my career, I've had really good bosses and really bad bosses. And I just had some not awesome leadership happening there. And I had been working really hard and it was review time. And this like will always stay with me because I was so mortified. And I I was asking for a a raise and a promotion. Yeah. And they were like, yep, you know, you're doing really well, you know, the the client loves you. We're really happy with the work that you've been doing. There's just something intangible that we can't quite quite put our finger on that we're just, we don't think you're quite ready for that next step. And I said, well, I can't really work on the intangible. Like, 
I want to do better. I want to get this promotion. Can you give me a list so that I can work towards this? And my boss at the time, he said, well, maybe it's just the way you talk. And I said, I don't understand what you're saying. And he said, maybe it's that at the end of some of your sentences, you go up at the end. <gasps> and I said, okay. Go fuck yourself. I couldn't. I couldn't. I said, okay. I'm pretty disappointed in this review. I feel like these are not things I can work on. They're like, well, give us the weekend and we'll come back to you with some actionable things. And I said, okay. And I came back in on Monday and I said, here's my resignation. I've accepted another job. And I left. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I was, forgot about that. It was pretty horrible. Like, very – like, I went home and I cried to Jim. And I was like, I'm just so frustrated. And there were other really good leaders in the company. It just so happened that the ones that I reported to were not awesome. They weren't – they didn't want to give you a promotion mm-hmm. because – Sometimes you were like this? Correct. That's what they said. Oh? It was very disappointing. What do you think the real thing, the real issue was? I'm sure they, you know, seeing this side of it now in the position I'm in, they're only, you know, they're strapped with how many promotions they can give out, what their salary bands are. Maybe they didn't have the budget that year. But instead of being straightforward, they just made you feel feel like like shit. shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I like came home and I cried to Jim and. I had been talking to this other company, and he was like, it's time. I was like, you're right. Oh, my So I left. God, that's horrible. Yeah. Well, that's why the saying is people don't – sometimes people don't quit their jobs. They quit their managers, right? Yeah. And that's always my – like, being a manager now, I don't ever want to be a bad manager because I've had multiple experiences with bad management, and it can – like, it can really destroy your self-confidence, so – so while we're on the subject, what would you say, can you give a few examples of what makes a bad manager versus what makes a good manager? Yes. <laughs> Please. Um, I would say bad managers, you just don't ever know what the expectations are. I try to be really straightforward with my people. They know level of work I expect, processes I expect, someone who makes you feel just always on edge. If you, I've had several managers that make me feel that way. I would say someone who doesn't go to bat for you. Mm. Someone who doesn't empower you. Um, I really try to empower my people and give them the tools they need so that they can run the business as if it's their own. That's what I would say off the top of my head. And what about, what about some of your favorite managers you've had? My favorite managers I've had, they have been really open and honest about what's going on with the business Mm. areas I need to improve on I've been able to have conversations with them ask feel comfortable enough to ask those dumb questions without feeling dumb and that's what I tell my people I say you can ask me the same question 20 times if you're not still getting it then the problem is with me and I'm not explaining it in the right way so we need to maybe take a step back and I need to bring somebody else to the table or just Somebody who wanted the best for you. I've had the opportunity to work for the same boss in two different jobs. She moved. She was at the agency job I just described Mm -hmm. who loved, loved, loved her. And then she moved over to the client side of the business Mm -hmm. and had the opportunity to work for her there again. And it just, she created an environment that I always felt comfortable asking questions and I could go to her no matter what. And so that's what I try to bring to the table for my people because makes life so much better that is 
so interesting. Like, I mean, <laughs> I was a manager. <laughs> I was a manager for like half a year and I fucking absolutely hated it. I love it. I know, but I'm saying like you have the demeanor for that. Like that, it makes so much sense and like everything that you just described when you were talking about bad managers I was thinking of one in particular and literally everything you just said that's what they did yeah and it was miserable it just stinks because it's like (sighs) it's like why are you I just think it's really rotten when you're a manager and you have it's almost like they're on a power trip and they they get off on creating this like environment of fear and walking on eggshells and like how is that good for anyone I just feel like we spend so much of our lives at work or working and we're all just trying to do our best no one wants to suck at their job no one sets out every day being like I think I'll be really bad today and like I'm happy about it so even if somebody is not doing an awesome job at work for whatever reason like they want to they want to be better they want to feel good about the work they're doing so my job as a manager is just to help them get there and if they're struggling why are they struggling like what can I do better to help them like maybe they're going through something in their personal life or maybe they're just not connecting the dots at work and just need some extra training or help nobody wants to be bad at their jobs unless you're a psychopath (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so, I'm just so proud of you. Oh like, my God, thank you. just hearing, I mean, you're just such a boss. It's just so amazing. Like, I'm still learning. There's a gazillion things I don't do right and need help with and need more training on. And I don't know. I just, I really love the helping people part of my job. And I've always loved training people or helping people. And I think it even goes back to like when I was younger and I, I listened to the one that you did with Caitlin Coffee yeah. and how you both hated being camp counselors, which is so funny <laughs> because I love my favorite part of camp was being a camp counselor. Of course it was. Like I loved That's it. That's how my sister was. I think it's like an older sister thing too. Yeah. Like my dream job, like let's say I wasn't in marketing tomorrow, I would be a camp counselor, a professional camp counselor. Oh my God. It's so fun. But you've always, and but like. That has seeped into other aspects. Like I was saying at the beginning, like I, we joke that you're my therapist, you're my personal trainer, you're my skin, like dermatologist. Like you, you like to to help help people, people, even if they're your friends. And like literally Kelly is the one who taught me how to work out. Like no shit. I had never been in a gym setting before. I wasn't an athlete. As she said, I was a drama nerd. So we got to college and like that was my first time even being in a gym with like weights and machines and this and that. And Kelly was like, I'll I'll teach you. Like I'll show you the ropes. And I learned how to like create a training schedule and how to do yeah. like all of these machines because of Kelly and she really enjoyed it. And I love it. I don't know. I just, it's fun. It's like, n- there's no greater joy to me than seeing somebody be proud of like the work they've done because you've helped them get there. Like, it's so cool to see my team excel. Like that is the coolest. I, I feel know. like Allie is probably going to listen to this and just be like beaming the whole time because you and her are both, you're like pretty much the same level in terms of like your fields and like you have these teams and Allie just, 
my question, okay, I have really digressed. I know. We, Sorry, we totally digressed. So, okay, <laughs> let's really quickly just like fast forward. Yeah, so yeah. you had a, you had a few more jobs and now you're, you're at I, where you're at. I had a few more jobs. I really, so what I tried to do in every job that I took, I tried to be more mindful of the hops I was making because there's the stigma mm-hmm. for our parents' generation that like you should join a company and you should be there. You're a company man. You're For pretty much your whole career, like maybe you have a couple of moves and that is not what I did. And my parents, at first, my dad was like, okay, like. You need to stop moving. Right. That's how my dad was. You need to settle down. Yeah. Um, but I just knew, like, every step I took, I wanted to make sure I had a really good reason for leaving. Because I, companies I was interviewing with, they didn't really bat an eye that I had had so many jobs. They just wanted to hear the story of why I moved. So I left you know, this agency and I went to go work at a tech company where I was still in marketing, but like I felt like I really needed some tech on my resume. And then I got a call from uh, Dr. Pepper to go work over their client side and I never worked client side and it's a really hard leap to make. So I took that and then I went to go work at Unilever and work in a completely different industry, beauty and hair care. And then I got in this, my current job, which was back in kind of the CPG shopper marketing world. So I just wanted, I, I think I've had like seven or eight jobs, mm-hmm. which I, you know, our parents' generation would never have dreamed of having that many jobs. Yeah. But I just want to make sure every role I took was giving me a better opportunity or something I'd never done or just building my career in a way that until I was really happy, which I am now, I'm really, really, really happy. I'm very fortunate. And I want to stay here for a long time. And I've been there for three and a half years, a little over. I just want to stay and unless I, they don't want me anymore. <laughs> it's like everything that you're saying too, and I know that this is like, I don't know. You can relate it all back to relationships and dating. Yeah. Like it's literally like, okay, so Kelly met her husband Jim when they were 18 and 19. So they've been together for like 60 years. So, 17, but yeah. <laughs> so you didn't really like – you didn't date around, but it's mm-hmm. like the what you've done with your job is basically like a par- <laughs> dating around. Yeah, like it's a parallel yeah. of that because it's like the same. It's you want to like experience different jobs. You want to experience different people so you can understand like where you thrive, who you thrive with, yeah. where the connections are. And like you might as well do it while you're young and you're trying to like find what's right for you. Yeah, and like I think it goes back to you know when you're happy and not. Yes, and, like, you know when there's – I know there's better out there. There has to be. Mm-hmm. And, like, with gym and dating, I never felt that way because I was so happy and fulfilled that it was, like, did I plan on meeting my husband when I was 18? Fuck. No. <laughs> I never could have dreamed. That was not the plan. It just – it worked out that way. But with jobs, I just knew every time I was making a hop, like, there's something better. Like, I know – I want something more out of this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more fulfilling. Yeah. There's or more like, money. <laughs> or like, man, this commute is ruining my life. Yeah. So I just wanted to make very strategic moves and I'm really happy that I did because I'm really happy where I landed and I love this current company I'm with and I don't don't want to really, unless God forbid, knocking on wood somewhere, <laughs> something were to happen, like I want to stay here a really long time. Yeah. So. And I, and I will say, like, before I broke off and, you know, I work for myself now, I was the exact same as Kelly. I job hopped. I job hopped a lot. And it was 
literally to find what suited my talents the best, but also it's just like, especially like how kind of Kelly was speaking to, like in advertising and marketing, it's not like being, it's just like, I find that you, unless it's a massive company, like Mm -hmm. from the jump, like it's this huge corporate company and there's so much room for growth. Typically you're not going to find that. So I found the only way for me to grow and like move up in the ranks and make a bigger salary was to continue to job hop. Yeah. And it sucks. Like that's the part of the agency that I wish was different. They just, you know, it's the joke of like, oh, a raise, no, but we got ping pong tables and we're throwing a pizza party. Exactly. But, but when you're young, that's fine because you're in the trenches with your fellow young people learning the job and you love it. But then at one point you look up and you're like, hey, uh, during planning season for whatever campaign you're working on, I'm not cool staying at the office until two in the morning. Right. I want to go home and go night night. So like, I don't care if there's free beer and uh, a DJ that you guys are bringing in. Totally. I just want to make enough money to, to like be able to take a vacation <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> once <laughs> a year, maybe exactly, maybe every other year. Um, so yeah, I I love where I'm at. I'm back in the shopper marketing space. I work on the convenience side of the business, so I have the whole country for convenience, and I also have military, and I've got a team of. Uh, eight and they're all remote I work remote it's been really nice from a flexibility standpoint and you know I've got a kid and husband and life and demands and I love it so that's kind of what I want to get into now so you've risen up in the ranks you have this team of eight it's obviously I mean I would say your job is pretty demanding yeah I'd say so (laughs) and you travel (laughs) a lot Yes. Um, and you have a daughter. I do. And you work from home full time and your husband works from home full time. Correct. We're very fortunate. You are. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like everything's relative. So how do you do it? How do you balance it all? It depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> let me just say, I'm one, we're extremely, extremely fortunate, Jim and I, to both work from home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked from home. This isn't the first shop I've worked from home at. I've worked from home now for like five years. And there's pros and cons to it. Like I love it because I don't have to get dressed in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But also it's hard because like I, it's harder to turn it off. Mm-hmm. My office is right there. I can always send one more email. Oh, like I'm going to bed and I think, oh my God, there was that one thing. Let me just sneak off and do that really quickly. So that that's a struggle. But the other thing is like, you know, I am very fortunate to have a partner who is really a partner. Like Jim is 50-50. Mm-hmm. Everything I do, he's doing. He's cooking. He's cleaning. He's taking care of the kid as much as I am. And then he's doing more when I'm traveling. Like he's holding down the whole fort of craziness. And it's he's extremely supportive. Like when I took this director position, I my company was very transparent that it was going to require a lot of travel. And they were like, this is a family decision. Talk to your husband. See if this is something you guys are up for. And he was. And I'm also very fortunate because I have a really nice support system in my in-laws. Yeah. Who live like 10 minutes down the tollway and who are a godsend. Like I really hit the lottery with them. Yeah. Like they are just 
the absolute best because my parents aren't able to do that. So how do I balance it all? I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Like some weeks I'm really good at like meal prepping and other weeks we're eating Chick-fil-A a lot. Yeah. And there are some days when I work out and have spent like we go for an evening walk as a family and I'm like oh we're doing it like I'm I'm balancing it and then other days where I'm like we are not balancing it the laundry is out of control I need to work late tonight it just everyone's just doing the best they can myself included like and we're we're of the most fortunate and it's still a struggle like we're both fortunate to work from home and I'm fortunate to have in-laws that are able to I'm help. just gonna call this episode fortunate with Kelly fortunate <laughs> with Kelly um but I, I really am grateful it's just it's hard it, it and I only have one kid yeah <laughs> like, yeah you talk about families where the mom and dad are just the mom it's a single mom and she's working and you just do the best you can right and that's all you can do and it's as long as you're trying it's enough yeah that's in some days you're gonna have better results than the others but do you ever feel like you are dropping the ball thousand percent how do you how do you deal with that like um you just I, I don't even remember what it was I saw some talk and it's old now about how everybody's juggling all these balls but some balls bounce and some balls break and like family is a breakable ball right So meaning that has most importance to me. Like I never, if I have to prioritize something, it's going to be family. Because you can't break the ball. Can't break that ball. Got it. That was probably bad. I'm probably not explaining that very well. But I got it. (laughs) um, So you just, you kind of take a step back and go, is this like a bigger life thing? Like at the end, I always try to, this sounds really morbid, but at the end of your life, are you going to be laying in your bed being like, oh God, I wish I had done that one more presentation or restructured it that way no will you be laying in bed thinking I wish I had spent more time with my daughter or like prioritized that aspect of my life more yes yeah so it's a balance and some days you better at it than others but I always try to take a step back and say how big of a deal is this really is this a big deal right now or is this a big deal forever and I think a part of that has just been my mom and my mom has Alzheimer's and just knowing like what if I were to find myself in that situation like what would really matter right. at the end of the day right so it helps me keep things in perspective yeah I was gonna say that's yeah that's definitely some perspective is there ever tense between you and your husband when like the travel schedule is like oh, a yeah. lot and <laughs> how and how do you deal with that I mean he's it's for, like, anyone, like, women listening who, like, are, you know, their job is more demanding. Yeah, we, so I really try, if I can, not to travel back-to-back weeks. There was a period last year where I traveled 12 out of 15 weeks. Oh, my God. Um, for a certain stint, and then obviously I travel more, but really try not to travel back-to-back weeks. But if I have to, then when I'm home we try to make time for each other. Like, let's say I've been gone for a week. I'm home on the weekend. I try to pick a night and ask my in-laws, like, please, 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 can you babysit so Jim and I can just go to dinner by ourselves. Right. But it's hard, and it's hard on him. And I always tell him, I said, if it's ever too much, tell me. Yeah. Like, if it's ever at the point where you're like, you need to pump the brakes and be home for a little bit, 
tell me. And most of the time he's like, you got this. I support you. Go for it. But there, there have been a number of times when he's been like, I need you home yeah. for like a week. Yeah. And Peyton is getting pissed. Yeah. <laughs> You're not home. <laughs> but it's hard, you know? It's harder. There's always going to be things that come up, whether it's work or other family issues or whatever to carve off time for you to it's a concentrated effort it does not happen naturally mm-hmm. you have to make the effort to go on a date or just go to dinner and you would think that us working both from home we'd be able to see each other a lot we just, like don't yeah we do not there there are days when we can have lunch together at the kitchen table but, right like, those are not the norm yeah like, I, I would say like Zach obviously doesn't work from home but the few times that he has it's like you know, I think it's going to be this, like, cute joint effort. And it's not. It's like, not. he stays in his office at the back <laughs> of the house, and I stay up front. Yeah. And, like, we basically see each other when it's dinner time. Yeah, I mean, you have to, like, you have to prioritize time. And it feels unromantic to say that. Mm-hmm. But you do. It's just the reality it's of the it. It's the reality of it. Yeah. Especially when you have kids. Yeah. You got to carve out that time for yourself. Damn. Even if it's, like, we're going solo grocery shopping. Right. It feels weirdly like flirty. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So, I love yeah. it. Okay, so my last question to you okay. is just like for like women empowerment. Mm. You where you're working now, it's very male heavy. Yeah. What are your thoughts, tips? takeaways insights on being a you know director lever lever director level female amongst you know a company that you know has a lot of men in charge yeah I mean I've been at this certain company I'm very fortunate like I the majority of people I work with are men the majority of people I'm traveling with are men and I've never felt um unsafe they're fantastic like they provide an environment to where I feel like my voice matters I don't have to request a seat at the table because like they've already pulled up a chair for me which is not usual no it's not at all right so that's one of the reasons I'm like I'll stay for as long as you want me to yeah but I would say just in general don't ever diminish your own power like it's hard because sometimes you you think to yourself as a woman, am I being too bossy? Are people going to take this as like self-promotion in a bad way, right? Mm-hmm. But just you are valuable and just know that you're there for a reason. And if you're doing the best work that you can and you have something to say, then say it. I think that the culture's changed a lot too in that men are – more aware that (laughs) they're more terrified yeah I was gonna I didn't want to say scared but they're just more aware it's a different dynamic than it even was 10 years ago I'll say that but I would say you have value know your value and speak up where you if you have an idea and want to say something don't be afraid of being feeling stupid or or speaking your voice and if you have questions don't be afraid to speak up and ask those questions probably somebody else in the room has the same question they're scared to speak up And I don't know. I really, I have a lot of women on my team. Um, We have a couple of men, but I have a lot of women on my team. And I try to really have the same message, men, women, is that you're valuable. You're here for a reason. 
just in anything you do try to find angles to where you bring value so I would say that to anybody kind of entering as a woman entering the workspace like know your value and then push it forward be your own advocate in that space right I don't know it's (laughs) it's a different world I like I said I've been very fortunate in this company to where I feel heard and it's sometimes even like women bosses are not the best about promoting their own women yeah when I was talking about my manager from the past it was a woman so my current boss is male a lot of the leadership I work with are men and they're pretty fantastic about being like Kelly what do you think Kelly what's your recommendation yeah because women are fucking competitive and like bitchy and (laughs) catty which like I all I want is the best for the team and the organization but um yeah I would say just be your own advocate in every aspect of your life including business don't be afraid to speak up because odds are you you've got a good thing going just voice your opinion all right I love that so let's end uh really quickly tell us what you're reading watching and listening to oh my god Okay, well, you just gave me this, The Perfect Couple. So I'm about to read that, which I'm excited. You just read? Oh, uh, Dark Places. Mm-hmm. R- really upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> don't, very dark. I don't, I, I don't think I'd recommend, honestly. Okay. It was really, I was reading it going, oh, God, why am I reading this? This is really messed up. Okay. Um, so excited to read The Perfect Couple. I am watching the last of us oh of course who is it i'm watching um f1 the netflix show oh drive to survive just came back okay I'm a massive fan are you oh my God. i didn't know that people are obsessed y'all i'm just <laughs> listen like i'm not in like i'm not a big racing fan in general I started watching the show on a whim another friend recommended it I love this show so much. Oh, hello. That's how you know. I love this show so, so, so much. It just creates so much of a story and gives you context, like what these drivers go through. And they just, the Netflix just came out with their golf. Yes, version. full swing. We just watched and the whole season. They have uh, Breakpoint, which is tennis. I know. I haven't watched that it's one yet. It's incredible. I just love it because it's like, it tells the story of who these athletes are and what they go through and sacrifices their families made to get them there. Yeah. I don't know. It's just awesome. What was it? Listening to? Listening to, yeah. You don't listen to podcasts. I don't. Except for yours. <laughs> I've tried. You have to say that. Well, I've tried. I just, you know, this is going to sound really fucked up, but like, I listen to a lot of nothing like driving down here it was silence wow. in my car wow um because it's like my time to recharge and think through things yeah because most of the time I'm listening to Disney theme songs <laughs> with Peyton <laughs> and I'm like I don't want to listen to fucking Mulan one more time oh today God, that's can incredible. I just have a moment yeah so it's like I'm building out my grocery list oh I have to send that email oh so yeah if you had to throw on a Spotify radio station right now, what would it be, though? Like, for today? Yeah. I don't know. Like, a coffee house <laughs> station. <laughs> I just like a lot of calming things in my life. Yeah. Because unless I'm working out. What do you listen to when you work out? That's a great <sighs> thing to, an- to end on. Hey, I just love Ludacris so much. Oh, what? I, 
I've always loved Ludacris. You listen to Ludacris when you work out? Yeah. Like his full albums? Yeah, like Move Bitch, Get Out of the Way. Oh. Like, I love Luda. I love Luda. And I just went to this convention recently, and um, it was like a trade show. And my company had a booth, and then there was the Anheuser-Busch booth, and they brought Luda in for, like, meet and greets and, like, handshaking. And I didn't get to go over there. But you got so close. I got so but, like, I teared up because I was like, oh, my God, he's right there. Oh he's my right God, there. Kelly, I did not know. I love Ludacris. <laughs> I love him. That's incredible. I love it. And he's so little and jacked in person. It's crazy. How tall do you think he is? Oh, like, maybe 5'7". Maybe. Oh, wow. I guess we could look it up, but whatever. Um, But his skin is beautiful. <laughs> oh, like, he is very well preserved. Oh, wow. Like, He's, he, but yeah, I fucking love Ludacris when I work out. And I've tried other, like, I love Megan Thee Stallion and, like, Cardi and yeah. whatever. And, like, uh, Coyla Ray. I've, but no one gets you like Luda does. No one gets me jack like Luda does. <laughs> okay. No one. Let's end there, Kelly. Thank you so much Thanks. for offering all of your hey, insight. I don't know if it was anything. It was. It was fantastic. I'm so proud of you. I think you're oh. fucking badass. That's why I asked you to be on. Thanks, y'all. I'm still learning. There's... There's no end to the journey. Of course. Of course. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed. And hey, if you haven't, take a second to go on Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating and write a little review. That'd be awesome. Hey. Takes no time. Yeah. Do it. One sentence. Everyone's got five minutes while you're on the toilet. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's your toilet review. Yes. Give me a toilet review. Um, All right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.